0: Christmas Lights, spoken by Pastor Peter Ahn and Pastor Sunita Ponton. Well, welcome Metro Community Church and uh, welcome to those in the nursery. Uh, Merry Christmas, Metro. Merry Christmas. Now, how many of you finished all of your Christmas shopping? Let me see your hands. Yeah? Oh my gosh, really? How many of you still need to do a couple extra uh, trips to the mall? Let me see your hands. All right, I got a few of you. Well, I know, Cindy, you had a, quite an interesting uh, experience this week at the mall. Why don't you just share that with the church?
1: Yeah, so um, earlier this week, I was doing my Christmas shopping, and my cousin texted me, and she asked if I would come and uh, pick up her daughter from after school. And so I told her that i would happy to do so, but in doing so, that would mean that, I, that her daughter would not get a gift for Christmas because I had to interrupt my shopping. And so when I picked up her daughter, I said to her, I kept the, the joke going and I said to her, you know what, I'm, I'm sorry, you're just not gonna get a gift for Christmas this year because we've got we've, I've had to interrupt it to come get you. Well, this precocious 10 year old was not having that as I'm sure you could imagine. She told me how unfair it was. She told me that the mall was open late so that I could go after her mom came home from work She told me that I could order her gift online and it would be there in time. She even resorted to tickling me and hugging and kissing on me. She went so far as to take my phone and to text her mother and say, you had to convince me to get her a gift. (laughs) So eventually I asked her, isn't Christmas about Jesus? And she replied, yes, Jesus and presents. And I realized that my niece is not alone. We can be bombarded with so many messages during the Christmas season that we can sometimes lose sight of the main thing. There are presents and Christmas parties, there are sales and discounts, volunteer and giving opportunities, decorations and holiday treats. Do we say Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays? So rather than the celebration or awe at what God has done during this season, it is darkened by confusion, mixed messages, and heartfelt but wrong intentions. And then on Christmas morning, we attempt to push all of that out of the way so that we can hear the true message of Christmas, the true reason for the season, as the old cliche goes. But even here, the message of Christmas can sometimes fall on deaf ears. If you've grown up in the church, you have been hearing this story all of your life. There's an angel, the Virgin Mary, a reluctant Joseph, an inn with no room, a manger, a star, shepherds, wise men, and baby Jesus. You've heard it so much that the story can lose its luster. Or maybe you're new to Christ and the story of a baby born of a virgin still seems confusing to you. You may be wondering, why does this even matter? So rather than fresh insight, It is darkened by familiarity on the one hand and misunderstanding on the other. For some, this Christmas season is going to be hard. It is the first of many without a loved one. Your season is darkened by grief. For some, this season, it was hard to get into the Christmas spirit when you look around at all the injustice and destruction in the world. Your season is darkened by the sins of this world. Well, this morning, Pastor Peter and I invite you to understand the importance of Christmas, the importance of what the birth of Jesus really means to us today. We invite you to take a look at the baby Jesus this morning with fresh eyes and to discover the importance of this gracious gift to us from God, this gift of a child who brings light into this often dark world. If you would, turn with us to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. We're going to be looking at verses 2 and 5 through 7. You can follow along in your Bibles or are behind us. Isaiah chapter 2 Isaiah chapter 9, excuse me, verses 2 and 5 through 7. And the word of God reads as follows. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Verse 5. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Amen.
0: Amen. Let's bow our heads for a moment of prayer. And So God, we come to you at this moment and um, we're really thankful for an opportunity for us to come and to hear your word this morning. But God, in the midst of that, Lord, we know that there might even be some that are sitting in these seats today where they are um, overwhelmed with potential darkness that they're experiencing, perhaps maybe even in their marriage, darkness even in their workplace, darkness in their relationships with their families or friends or or ex-friends or exes. And God, I pray that um, this message would really penetrate the hearts of all of us today, even including myself. And no matter what darkness we may find ourselves in today, God, I pray that the message of Christmas would overcome the light of Jesus, would overcome any darkness that we might be experiencing in our own lives. Thank you, Lord, for coming into this world 2,000 years ago. You didn't come because we deserved that. You came because you loved us. May we be able to experience and, and, and live into that love this morning. So I pray God that the words that come out of my mouth and Pastor Sunita's mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts in this room, God, I pray that it will indeed be pleasing unto you and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. And so really to embrace Christmas, we need to first understand this idea of darkness that Pastor Sunita talked about. I don't think I gotta talk to you much or try to convince you that there's darkness that surrounds the world in which you and I live in today. There's darkness that surrounds some of the important relationships in your life. During the time of Isaiah when this was written, people walked in darkness. And really the word darkness in the Bible, what it means is that it's this understanding of evil and ignorance. Not just evil or ignorance, is evil and ignorance. What kind of evil and ignorance does darkness represent? the, The evil and the ignorance that darkness represents oftentimes is when you trust more in your ways than in the ways of God. And we do that all the time, don't we? When we believe that our ways are the ways in how we want to sort of live our life, or we know that it's contrarian to how God may want us to live it, especially when you look at the Bible, we still believe it's the right way. And so we follow that way, and that is evil, and that is ignorance, because what we end up doing is we end up trusting more in human glory than we do in the glory of God. And so I think you can vibe with me on that, and understand the level of darkness when we sort of enter into life, and we sort of project, or we live a life a certain way, where we think we know better than God, and so we project to go a different way than Him, and we live in the sense of ignorance, because at the same time we sort of depend and trust more in our own glory than even in the glory of God. And God has put us on this earth so that we can experience love and mercy and grace in that way, so that we can trust in Him in that way, trust in His ways, and trust in his glory darkness surrounds our world darkness surrounded the world of the people of isaiah during that time and darkness certainly surrounded jesus christ when he entered into this world many of you know the story in matthew and also in luke and just to kind of sum up some of the darkness that jesus experienced as he entered into this world let me give you a couple things that he experienced violence was rampant during jesus time genocide happened injustice abuse of power homelessness, refugees, grief. Doesn't that sound exactly like today in 2018? You see, the problem with a lot of us, and it's happened through the beginning of time, and especially when Jesus entered into this world 2,000 years ago, people have sort of went their own way. They've lived in this darkness because they believe that we are capable with our own might, with our own strength, with our own intellect, with our own level of innovation, that we believe we can get rid of darkness. We believe that it's humanly possible through education, through innovation, that darkness can be removed in our own lives. And it doesn't matter how much education you have, it doesn't matter how much innovation that you and I are seeking to experience and live out in our own lives, there is no way we can get rid of darkness with our own human strength. And so therefore, one of the most powerful Christmas message today, on this Christmas Sunday, is simply this, things are really that bad in this world. The things that appear to be dark in your life, folks, it's really dark. And there's no way out in the sense where you and I can do right by it in a way where we can dig ourselves out of the pit oftentimes that we find ourselves in. So the hope of Christmas simply is that because of Jesus, there's hope now. Because of Jesus Christ entering into this world, that there's hope in the midst of it. And Isaiah says that there's light. And that light is synonymous with the word hope, right? Verse 2, it says, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light, on those living in the land of the deep darkness, a light has dawned. Again, light is synonymous to the word hope. Yes, the people of God were living in utter darkness. Yes, when Jesus entered into this world, it was completely dark, so dark that, uh, that, that he had to come into this world. But now there's hope. There is true hope, and no matter what darkness you may find yourself in today on this Christmas Sunday, I want you to know today that because of this day in which you and I celebrate in Jesus Christ, that there's hope, amen? Amen. That there's light, that no matter what you find yourself, no matter what you may believe to be true, humanly speaking within your own understanding, you think you know an outcome and you think an outcome is going to happen because of the darkness in which you're living in today. The hope of Christmas simply is this, no matter how dark it might be in your life today, that there's hope because Jesus is light. And don't sit there and think that you know what's going to happen in a certain relationship, how broken it might be. Don't think you think that this darkness is going to determine the rest of your life. The thing about Christmas and the hope that you and I have is that Christ has entered into this world and that we cannot default into this place of darkness because that's what John says. John says in, in 1 verse 9 and 10, look at what he says here. This is our natural tendency. And isn't it so true of us that when we start to experience darkness, it becomes our friend and our foe. Look at what it says. It says in verse 9, it says, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. And maybe today you don't recognize as Jesus because darkness has clouded your vision of seeing Jesus today. But on this Christmas Sunday, I want you to know that he's here and he wants to connect with you and he wants you to know that he truly, truly loves you and that no matter how dark it might be, that there's hope. Jesus entered into this world and there was darkness among its world leaders. That once Herod found out, King Herod found out that Jesus was alive, that he was born, and this could be potentially the Messiah, he sent out a message of trying to find out where to locate wherever he was. And when he couldn't find out where Jesus was, look at what he ended up doing in Matthew chapter 2, verses 16 to 18. It says, when Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem in its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. And I know sometimes you feel like you're in a place where you feel like there is no more in life, but there is. That's the message of Christmas. Christmas is good news that God wants to turn our darkness into light, our conflicts into shalom, our loss into abundance, and yes, even our despair into joy. And and I know it's gonna be a process, but you gotta hold on to it and believe in the message of what Christmas is about. And in verse nine it says that this light will flash upon us, and we see it in verse six, the summation of the power of Christmas and why Jesus truly is the light in the midst of our darkness, because it says in verse six of Isaiah chapter nine, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Priests. How can these four titles that have been ascribed to Jesus Christ on this Christmas Sunday help us to find some light in the midst of our darkness? Pastor Sinita, could you help us to shed some light in this?
1: Jesus becomes our hope and our light when we accept him first, as Isaiah says, as our wonderful counselor. The first title Isaiah tells us about Jesus is that Jesus will be our wonderful counselor. Now, wonderful counselor speaks to the wisdom of Christ and his willingness to give us that wisdom, to impart that wisdom to us. He has all wisdom and all knowledge. Later, Isaiah will prophesy concerning Christ that the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. Isaiah calls his counsel wonderful. And Merriam-Webster, the dictionary defines wonderful as marvelous, astonishing, unusually good. And when we study the Old Testament, we realize that the word wonder is only used for those things that God can do. Jesus is our wonderful counselor. Because of his understanding of all things and his great desire to share that with us, He counsels pastors to start churches. He counsels leaders of organizations and companies. He counsels new parents, right? And he counsels doctors to implant a kidney from a young, healthy Chinese woman from our church into the body of a suffering white man 10 years her senior. This is not science, brothers and sisters. This is the wisdom of God. Our finite intellect has tricked us into believing that we can do anything, that we can solve all kinds of problems and ills in the world, but that's not true. Whatever wisdom we possess, whatever knowledge we can claim to hold, whatever understanding we can pretend to have is only a gift from God. And even personally, Jesus is able to be our counselor because of his understanding of human nature. Jesus was one of us. He knows us from the inside out. He was born a human baby to a human mother and he lived on this earth just like one of us. He understands us because he was us. He faced difficulties, he faced hardships, he was betrayed, he was misunderstood, he was let down, he was lied on, he was disappointed, he had to endure some things too. His heart was broken by the people he loved the most. That's why he understands us. That's why he can guide our hearts from darkness into light. The author of Hebrews is right when he says, because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Mm -hmm. He guides us towards wholeness. He guides us towards obedience. So I have to ask you, Metro, do you go to Jesus when you face difficulties? Do you go to him when you are hurting? Have you ever been stuck and didn't know where to go? Are you stuck now? Have you ever felt like your life or maybe even parts of your life were filled with darkness? Jesus wants to be your counselor. He wants to be your light. The role of the counselor is to impart wisdom and understanding to lead people from confusion to order, from darkness to light. Jesus gives us his wisdom from above. He reveals to us God's plan for salvation, God's plan for our lives so that we can come alongside him and be kingdom builders. He counsels us into relationship with him. Now, after I had graduated from seminary, I have to admit that I was a mess. I had been looking for jobs in Houston and in Washington, D.C., and nothing seemed to pan out. I didn't want to come back to New Jersey, but eventually I had to start looking here, and, and, and nothing came through. I had broken up with a longtime boyfriend that I thought I would marry, and I had nowhere else to go but back home. And I hated it because I felt like a failure. I was jobless, I was broke, I had student loan people calling me and I couldn't pay, I was single when I thought I'd be planning a wedding, and I was tired, emotionally, physically, and mentally fatigued from three hard years of seminary study. And I fell into a depression, and it was bad. It was a dark time in my life. I cried a lot, I laid in bed a lot, because I had nowhere to go and nothing to do. I prayed, but it seemed hollow and lost on God's ears. But every day I received an email devotional, and one day the devotional highlighted Psalm 32, verse eight. It says, I will instruct you and teach you the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. I don't know if a verse has ever spoken to you But that verse spoke to me. It became my lifeline. It reminded me that God is my counselor, that he knows the plan, that he would guide me and he would do so with his loving eye upon me. It reminded me that God loved me, that he saw me, that he hadn't forgotten about me. And when I understood that, I could submit to whatever he was doing in that season of my life. And I could seek him for whatever was next. And he did guide me. Now it didn't happen overnight, but it did happen. He spoke yes to me when a volunteer opportunity came around, and that volunteer opportunity, it didn't give me money, but it gave me something to do. Mm. And it gave me the mental freedom I needed to heal. He guided me to a therapist who helped me deal with my disappointments. He guided me into deeper relationship with him because I had all this time now to pray and to study his word and and even seek counsel from my friends. And he eventually guided me to a job. So even if you find yourself directionless today, Even if you find yourself jobless or hurting or feeling hopeless or uncertain, let me tell you that he is still your wonderful counselor. The wisdom that we need and the guidance that we crave, the light that we seek for our lives is found in Jesus. He is our wonderful counselor.
0: Amen, and thank you so much for sharing that with us, Pastor Sunita, and and when we look at it ahead many years later, this wonderful counselor led you to Metro and you're here and you're never gonna leave until you retire, right? (laughs) And so, you know, it's just amazing to see how this wonderful counselor has led you here for the next 40 years, I mean, it's amazing, (laughs) it really is. He truly is your wonderful counselor if you trust in him and trust in his wise counsel. The other thing in which the other title that we see about Jesus being light that penetrates the darkness on this Christmas Sunday is that he is our mighty God. Jesus is our mighty God. What that means is that he is filled with the divine power that is required to defeat the darkness. Again, it requires a divine power, not a human power to defeat darkness. You get that? Divine power. And so the hope of Christmas is to know that Jesus is our mighty God, that he's come, and he is the light that will penetrate our darkness. Basically, when Jesus entered into this world 2,000 years ago, darkness trembled because the light was so bright. It was a power that was so divine that darkness trembled even though this baby was just an infant. And that's why it says in verse 5 of Isaiah, it says that every warrior's boots used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire, right? Basically what that means is that you don't have to go to war anymore because the light has dawned. Throw your boots into the fire. Throw your clothing, into your warrior clothes into the fire. Let it just be fuel because that's the only thing it's good for now because the light has truly dawned. The power of God is here. Jesus Christ is here. That power that Jesus possessed while he walked on this earth, even while he was crucified on the cross, and then he resurrected from the dead, that power was the very same power that parted the Red Sea. That same power was the very power that impregnated a 90-year-old woman, Sarah, with Isaac, who became the promise fulfilled in Abraham. That power of God is the same power that provided for the people of God in the wilderness for 40 years when he rained down manna from heaven and allowed them to feed and to eat and not die of starvation. That power of God that impregnated a 12-year-old little girl with the Messiah in her womb, where she gave birth to him at the age of 13. Yesterday I was talking to my daughter Christina, she's 17, and I said, why can't you do that? That's, you can totally do that. You know Mary had Jesus when she was 13 years old? And Christina said, why do you keep bringing that up? You want me to get pregnant? (laughs) No, 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 I don't want you to get pregnant. Okay, all right, forget it, I'll never use that example again. That's power, the immaculate conception. The Immaculate Conception Metro. Jesus Christ is our mighty God. And whatever darkness it is that you might be experiencing today, I want you to know today that the divine power of God is there for you today to experience the light in the midst of whatever dark situation that might be your life today. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking it doesn't make sense. And especially for some of us in this room that you might be just sort of on a a journey to thinking about or trying to sort out if God or Jesus Christ is really God. And you're saying, but Peter, there's still so much darkness in the world today. Peter, there's still so much sin. I mean, look at what's going on in the world. How could you say that God came and he came to destroy darkness when there's so much darkness in our world, when there's so much darkness in my life? How can you say that Jesus Christ truly is our mighty God? Because it doesn't look like it. And for some of us in this room, I do believe we've used this idea of of the darkness that surrounds us in our world to be an excuse for us not to believe in a God. Because maybe your rhetoric is this. How can I believe in a God who loves when there's so much pain and death and darkness and evil that's roaming our world? I totally get it. Legitimate question. But what you need to know is that when Jesus entered this world 2,000 years ago, he didn't enter it to end the darkness of macro evil like wars like genocides different things like that yes those are dark but you know what the greatest darkness of all was when Jesus entered this world that he destroyed is the darkness that separates us from our relationship with God That is the greatest darkness that that, that has entered into our own lives. And Jesus Christ, when he entered into this world, the darkness that he came to overcome and to destroy was that darkness that separated us from having this relationship with God so that as we are now in this relationship with God, we can experience his love, his grace, his mercy, his justice, even in the midst of some of the things that we might be going through, that there is no more barriers because of what Jesus Christ has done. Amen? Amen? That is the light that he offers you and me and you have to see it as such because this relationship that we have with God has to be the most important thing that you have in your life because when it does, then as you experience that love, that grace and that mercy, the justice of God upon your life, you will in turn be those who will release that grace, that mercy, that love, that justice to other people. I've been speaking this past month when I've been speaking here on Sundays about God calling us to be a kingdom builder. That our calling isn't just to, to get our sins to be forgiven and just wait till we go to heaven, right? That's such a nice way of thinking about our salvation. God saved us, not just so that we can go to heaven. No, he saved us primarily so that we can bring heaven and establish heaven here on earth. And how do we do that? As you experience love, grace, mercy, and justice from God, he wants you to pour it out to other people and release it to those in this world. And it always starts with those that are at home first because those are oftentimes the hardest people to love in our lives. Back in November, we were in Thailand. A group of us from Metro went to Thailand and we support a missionary out there. His name is Scott Kwok. Scott was one of us. He was on staff. He was a member of our church, but then God called him to impact Southeast Asia. So we were there with his wife and uh, we kind of wanted to learn the things that he was working and serving in and, uh, and see how maybe our church can partner more with what they were doing. And so one of the organizations that he wanted us to to connect with is this organization called Remember New. Now, Remember New is an, uh, is an organization, it's an orphanage for young girls predominantly and boys. About 250 children are there from all varying ages, all right? And New, N-H-U is the name, it is the name of its founder. The founder, uh, many years ago when she was a young girl, uh, her grandmother sold her into the sex industry, not because she wanted to, you got to understand that, Because, but the grandmother was with the dilemma, do all of us die, including my other grandkids, or can I let all of them live, including myself, if I sell one to the sex industry? Now, I know for some of us as Americans, you would think I would rather die as a family, and we can say that because we have the privilege of living in a country like America. But when you're living in a culture like Thailand, and it's the norm where people and family members and parents and grandparents sell their kid, one of their kids to the sex industry so that everyone else can live, It's a a situation that Scott was helping us not to judge them like Americans. New was sold into the sex industry by her grandmother. She experienced the tragedy and the horror of being raped over and over and over again. She experienced a darkness that none of us in this room, I hope, will ever, ever get to experience. It almost killed her. But a Christian man, a missionary, letter to Jesus Christ. She came to know Jesus, long story short. And because she experienced the mighty power of God, this wonderful counselor walking with her, she experienced his love, his grace, his mercy, and even God's justice. She said that she never wants another kid to be put in the position she was put in. And so she started this organization And the mission is simply to go into the most precarious situations in villages in Thailand, in these rural areas, where oftentimes these perpetrators and and these people in the sex industry will go and take these children from their families. And they would find the poorest of the poorest families. And they would sit down with the parents or the grandparents and say, will you give us your children? We will protect them. We not only will protect them, we'll give them an education. They'll go to high school. And if they show a level where they can go to college, we'll make sure we send them to college. And if they can't go to college, we'll give them a skill." so that when they leave the orphanage as an adult, they can make a positive contribution to our country. That's the purpose of it. Because this woman experienced the mighty hand, the mighty power of God today penetrating her darkness, leading her in this way to start an organization. And our group, when we went there, it was amazing to see these children. They were so full of life and they were vibrant. I mean, someone would order me around and sit there, sit there, or do this, do that. I mean, it was just, it was amazing to be around these children. They were just so full of love. Perhaps maybe the reason why you're going through the darkness in which you're going through today is that one day God could use that to bring light to this world. Maybe, but you got to be able to live and receive this Jesus as your mighty God. As your mighty God.
1: Pastor Peter, I love the way God uses us to be a part of his power and his work in the world, to show his might, that we might become kingdom builders with him. So we find out that Jesus is our wonderful counselor, that he's our mighty God, but he's also our everlasting father. Jesus is the fulfillment of God's promise of eternal sovereignty. Now, earthly kings will die eventually. And I have to say that, you know, Queen Elizabeth is hanging on for a really long time. (laughs) But eventually, (laughs) even her reign will end. But Jesus reigns forever. This means that we can trust him. This means that he's consistent. This means that he's not going anywhere. Last week, Pastor Peter shared how important it was for him to get to a place of trust with God, that he would be willing to leave Metro if God would call him to do so. And no, Pastor Peter is not leaving. He is definitely gonna be here at least until retirement. <laughs> 70 years from now, Yeah, on, yeah, right? okay, right. <laughs> But if God should call him to leave, we will be okay. Why? Because Jesus still reigns. Amen. And our focus is on Jesus. I believe that voting is extremely important in our country and that we should vote in every election cycle. But no matter who is in office or who is not, Jesus still reigns. Amen. Just like the wise men and the shepherds most likely did when they met the baby Jesus, one day every knee shall bow before him. He is our constant. He is our everlasting to everlasting. He is our God. Isaiah tells us that Jesus is not just everlasting, but he is our everlasting Father. And that is a promise to us, that he is our everlasting Father. Jesus is not only the possessor of all of eternity, but he is our tender, loving, faithful, and wise guardian and provider. For us, his children. Not because we were born of the flesh, but because we were born of his spirit. And that is a wonderful thing. But so often, it doesn't seem like a good thing. Many of us have had complicated, if not harmful, relationships with our fathers. Our fathers may have been the source of darkness in our lives. And this relationship can cause us sadness and grief. And unfortunately, our understanding of a loving father can sometimes be, be, um, be tainted by the weaknesses and brokenness of our earthly fathers. Maybe your father was abusive... Maybe he was emotionally unavailable. Maybe he beat you down with his words. Maybe he was gone. Maybe you wished he were gone sometimes. And if that's the case, hearing about an everlasting father may not sound good to you. But can I invite you to get to know this father? This everlasting father, this light in darkness. This is not your earthly father. The Lord declares, I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and my daughters. He is a father to those who feel fatherless. This is the father who dotes on you. This is the father who fearfully and wonderfully made you in his image. He planned for you, even if your earthly father did not. He redeemed you. He called you by name. You belong to him. He knows you, He fights for you, He is your safe place. He loves you now and forever because He is everlasting and that will not and cannot change. And He is always available to you. Now I told you earlier that after seminary I had to come back home. And it was hard to do so, but mostly because of my pride. Because what my earthly father showed me (coughs) was that I can always come back home. No matter what happens out in the world, I could always come back home to him. And when I think back on that time in my life, one of the truths that I learned about my earthly father and my heavenly father is that I can always come back home. Just like the father in the story of the prodigal son, the father's arms are always open wide for us to return back to him. He is still waiting. He is still your light in this world of darkness. His loving arms remain open and always available to us. Try him and you will see for yourself. This is a wonderful day to come or to come back to the Father. Jesus is our everlasting Father.
0: It's amazing that you have a Father who says anytime you want, you can come back home. Uh, It's a blessing to have a father and have a relationship like that with a parent. Uh, God is truly our everlasting father. And the very last thing that we're going to learn, which is, I think, like the cherry on top here about what Christmas is all about in this light of Jesus, is that Jesus is our prince of peace. Think about that word peace for a moment. What does that mean for you? You know, there are a lot of wealthy people today that they would give their life savings if they could have a little peace in their life, but they can't find it. Prince of Peace, where it literally means that Jesus is the administrator, the one who presides over peace. Now, the word peace, shalom in the Hebrew, it means, it doesn't mean an absence of war. It means wholeness. It means restoration. It means health, completeness. That's what peace means. And when Jesus Christ entered into this world, the reason why darkness trembled was because wholeness was happening. There was a sense of health that was being restored in people's relationship with God that he could not... The enemy himself could not destroy anymore because Jesus was much more powerful because he is the mighty God. That there was a sense of completeness and health. Only Jesus can do this. Only God can give you and I that kind of peace. Jesus Christ on this Christmas Sunday is our very prince of peace. And so no matter what darkness we may be living in today, do you realize today that one of the greatest things that God wants to give to you as a gift on this Christmas Sunday is that he wants to give you completeness wholeness and health that you don't have to live your life anymore seeking the approval of other people that you don't have to be ashamed of the kind of house or kind of the situation you might be living in today that you can truly be content with where you are right now who you're married to whatever life might be even though you're single that on this Christmas Sunday you can truly rejoice and saying that you are truly blessed why because you have been given peace you have been given this complete wholeness and health Amen? amen that's who Jesus is and so what he's done is that he's come here and he's restored this relationship he's brought the sense of completeness in this relation with god regardless of what you and i do regardless of our output the powerful truth of the gospel is is that jesus christ has come and when god sees us he doesn't see just our brokenness because are we still broken in the midst of receiving this peace absolutely are we still capable of, of sin yeah, we are. Every single one of us are. But no longer will our output determine whether we can go before God because the prince of peace has come and he's restored and he's brought to health, a sense of completeness to our relation with God. Paul sums it up so beautifully in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 30 to 31. He simply says this. He says, it is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus Who has become for us wisdom from God, that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. I I do hope that you would memorize this verse this week. It will blow you away because what Paul is saying is this, because Jesus Christ, who is our light, who is our everlasting father, who is our prince of peace, who is our wonderful counselor, who is our mighty God, because he has come and he's died for us on the cross and resurrected from the dead, that when God sees you, that when he sees you today you may not believe this maybe you've never heard these words ever uttered from another human being's mouth before but when god sees you you know what he sees righteousness holiness redemption that's what he sees in us no matter how broken you might feel today no matter how defunct life might feel like today no matter how much you're swimming in the darkness and you feel like you're being It's like swimming literally in boiling water. That when God sees us, he sees righteousness, holiness, and that we have been redeemed by him. Amen, Metro? That's the hope of the gospel today. Listen, I'm just going to be honest. I'm going to be straight up with you. I would not be able to be up here today if it wasn't for the Prince of Peace. That if it was determined by how I live my life, because I don't live it perfectly. I, I live in sin regularly. If it wasn't for the Prince of Peace, I could not stand here before you and even have the audacity to say that I'm your pastor. Because when God sees me, he sees righteousness, holiness, someone who's been redeemed. That's how healing happens. And my hope is that today, you would be able to experience that by allowing the Prince of Peace to come and invade your darkness, but it can't if you don't see yourself as holy, righteous, and redeemed. While I was in Thailand, before I even went out, um, my mother is 74 years old, and uh, she asked me many years ago, she said, Hey, I'm, I'm getting older. I don't know how much longer I can get on a plane for a long time and travel, but I'm dying to see the world, and I'd love to go visit some of the places you're going to because You know, uh, I want to see what God's doing, so can I join you on the trip, on trips? I don't know if I want to do that, right, because it's my mom, I mean, Sunita, would you take your, I mean, your father is so loving, he welcomed you to his home, but would you take him on a missions trip?
1: Absolutely not. (laughs)
0: Right, it's it's hard. (laughs) Why do you want to take your parents with you? like? God, I don't want to take my mom, right? And like church people are around. And my mother always treats me like a four-year-old kid. No matter what, it doesn't matter how old I am, right? She'll give me these really evil stares if I'm drinking wine at dinner, like these missus trips. And, and so I took her to Africa a few years ago and it was just like so stressful because right? she kept nagging me, kept judging me the way I was doing things and, and stuff like that. And I, it wasn't very fun. And I took, her to, I took her to Norway, I did some ministry out there. And, uh, and she got real sick, so I had to really care for her during that trip too. And, and she still kind of like was nagging at me at some things. So I really didn't want to bring her to Thailand, but I know she wanted to go. So I decided to, but I, I threatened her. I said, listen, if you stress me out once, just one time, You say anything about me drinking something or saying something or not doing something? I said, I will never take you on another trip again. Do I make myself clear? She said, yes, crystal clear. And let me tell you, she was an angel on the trip, all right? She was an absolute angel on the trip. She knew I was 100% serious, and she knew she wanted to go to other places with me, so she was on her best behavior for almost those two weeks that we were together. And so we went out there, and one of the great places that we got to serve in and kind of experience in Chiang Mai was uh, Bella Goose Coffee. It was a coffee shop, eatery. It was a fantastic place. We had some people in the hospitality industry in our church go, and they just helped so much to try to help the people there but bella goose coffee their mission is uh, there they are beat their they 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 sell their coffee beans here in the States they have a, a few cafes but they take a bit of their proceeds and, and the profits that they make and they open up coffee shop eatery places in Southeast Asia predominantly in places where human traffic trafficking is really bad and their hope is to Introduce these ladies into the hospitality industry so that they can find means to support themselves and their family financially. So they don't have to go out and sell their bodies and become a prostitute and things like that. And so Bella Goose and Scott and Christina really served there. They spent a lot of their time trying to help the business and and, and trying to get the place where it can become profitable. And so we were there and there were about nine women that were there that we got a chance to meet, that they were able to employ. And these women all live on, uh, there's a, a, an apartment that they got and and all the women lived there for like a subsidized rent. But these women are, are learning the hospitality industry in hopes that perhaps maybe they can take that entrepreneurial spirit and start businesses of their own. And that's the purpose of it, right, one day. Well, one of the ladies that we got a chance to meet, her name was Koi. And Koi had, had, uh, had five, has five children. Uh, she's not able to support them, so she can't. She's not living with them in Chiang Mai. She currently uh, has put them in an orphanage up in, in a countryside where they live, and it's a few hours away. Her husband passed away a few years ago with cancer. And uh, there she is, Koi. Koi and my mom got real close. And uh, one of the things that happened to Koi uh, recently was that her son, her oldest son, who was a teenager, called her one day and said, Mom, you don't love us because you left us in this place. If you really loved us, you would still be with us and you wouldn't be in Chiang Mai. And it just broke her heart because she didn't have the finances to bring her in. So she shared that with Scott. And Scott said, "Koi, what's your dream? What do you want to do? She said, I want to start a fry bar. A fry bar basically is a French fry stand, a portable French fry stand. To understand the culture of Chiang Mai, or kind of what it's at, Chiang Mai is known for its night markets. And at nighttime, there's these huge markets, people from all over the world, it's a huge tourist place. They come and they shop and they buy all these things. And, uh, and she wanted to start a little French fry stand in, in the area of the night market in hopes that as there's so much traffic on the street that people would want to buy French fries. And so Scott thought about that and said, you know what? It's not that hard it's not hard to figure out how to make a great, you know, thing, uh, great uh, f- a batch of fries and then being able to sell it. So he kind of priced out how much money is going to be needed in order for, for her to start this business in hopes that eventually she can make enough money so that she can bring her kids and be reunited with them. Scott realized that it cost about a thousand US dollars for her to buy the things that she needs to buy and, uh, and so that uh, she can start this business. And so he kind of shared that with our group. And my mom just kind of pulled me aside and she goes, I, I want to I pay for that." And I said, Mom, you don't have money, I mean, you live in senior housing, like, you, you want to do that? She goes, I'm going to do it. Just don't tell anyone, but I want to do it. And I'm telling you, but, but back there, you know, <laughs> I just, she's like, don't tell anyone, so, <laughs> she's not here, so don't worry about it. <laughs> and I told that to Scott, and, and Scott told that to Coy, and this was one of the pictures, they just really bonded. My mom's heart really went out to her because my mom knows what it's like to be an orphan. She was one at nine. My mom knows what it's like to live in abject poverty because at the age of 11, her poverty was so deep that because she was an orphan, um, she had to quit being a student in a school. And she had to work in a button factory at the age of 11 and try to support her grandparents. She worked full-time since the age of 11. My mother knows the pain of being in a marriage where she not only experienced physical abuse, but deep emotional trauma. My mom's heart just went out to her. And she said, I'll, I want to give, because for me it's not about the price, but it's about what could happen and the potential. And when I think about where my mom is at now, my mom never had one day of counseling. My mom never read emotionally healthy spirituality. <laughs> my mom, the life that she lived and where she's at right now, it's amazing for me to see. Now she still has her issues, she can be a nagger and all that stuff. But my mother, she has so much joy. My wife will tell you that there are moments sometimes, it's not even that funny, but when she thinks something is funny, a switch turns on and for literally 15 to 20 minutes, she can't breathe, (laughs) because she can't stop laughing. You can't laugh like that unless you have the joy of the Lord in you. Amen. My mom experienced the Prince of Peace. That even though her life was so messed up and so broken, And her marriage was so hard for so many decades of her life that she experienced this Prince of Peace coming to bring a sense of completeness and wholeness and health in her own life, in her relationship with her children, and in her relationship, especially with God, and then her relationships with other people. Because my mother does love my father, even though he passed three years ago. She thinks about him. Even yesterday, she said, We got to go to your dad's grave on Christmas. That's the Prince of Peace, Metro. So what darkness are you going through today? What darkness has been so big for you that sometimes you lie under it and you bow down to it as if it's your God? Will you stop doing that? Will you bow down to your wonderful counselor, your mighty God, your everlasting Father, and your Prince of Peace on this Christmas Sunday? That is God's hope and prayer for you. Let's pray. No more bowing down to darkness anymore, guys. Today is Christmas Sunday. Will you bow down to this wonderful counselor, this mighty God, everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace, that he can take your darkest situation today, and if you would just let him, he would restore it and bring peace, bring wholeness and health and completeness to it. I'm going to give you a few moments to do that, And then I'm gonna close this in prayer. for those in this room that are literally drowning in their darkness I pray God that you would show them hope today because you are hope whether it just be in their own lack of happiness their brokenness in their relationships, their marriage, whatever it might be their financial crisis that they're going through deep emotional or physical pain that they just cannot seem to feel good about. Lord, you are our wonderful counselor. Our mighty God, our everlasting father and our prince of peace. I pray that we would all as a church come and we would kneel down before you, claiming and giving our lives unto you and trusting, knowing that who else can we entrust our lives to but to a wonderful counselor. To almighty god to an everlasting father to the prince of peace so help us to do that today this sunday on this christmas sunday and lord thank you that you love us so much that you've come and you've entered into this world two thousand years ago under such rough difficult situation and you prevailed at the end And in the 33 years in which you lived it, you understand our darkness and our brokenness. That's what makes you such a wonderful counselor. That's what makes you this prince of peace and this mighty God and this everlasting father. And so today, God, I pray that nobody in this room would feel alone, but they would feel the sense of your presence and your love and your healing presence here today. And God, we're grateful, I'm grateful, we're all so grateful that you sent Jesus Christ to us. None of us deserved it but you did because you loved us. And thank you, God, that when you look at us, you see righteousness, holiness, and redemption. And may we live into that today. May we live into that tomorrow and forevermore. In your name we pray, amen. How did God speak to you? Can you flip over your communication card? There's some next steps that I'd love for you to take. The first one is that if you've never committed your life to Jesus, we'd love for you to take that step today. Please check that off and visit us at the next table. One of our pastors will be there. They'd love to pray with you and give you sort of a, a packet to kind of help you to grow in your faith. The second. I'm going to give to the Christmas offering. Part of us receiving from God also is an opportunity for us to give and release. Uh, today we're going to be receiving the Christmas offering. And so you're going to do that today or tomorrow, whenever. We're going to do it for another four weeks. So, but that you'll pledge to give to the Christmas offering. Third, uh, please sign me up for the Connections Dinner on January 6th. It's an opportunity for you to learn more about this church and in hopes of maybe becoming a part of our family. we love for you to be a part of our family. It's a bit dysfunctional, I'm going to be honest, but uh, we love for you to join it, all right? We love for you to join it. Um, fourth, we're going to have a joint New Year's Eve service for the very first time with two other churches, four other, three other churches, so it's four including us. It'll be in Hackensack. All the information is in your bulletin. Would you join us on New Year's Eve from 10 to 12.01 a.m.? We're going to worship God. Hear an amazing word and be with the family of God, worshiping God together. So please join us and make sure you mark that on your calendar. And next Sunday, uh, we're going to be speaking from Acts chapter 7, verses 44 to 60. Um, Please read that before you come and be prepared to hear God's word being preached unto you.